Hey Branches friends, uh, I'm going to be out for the next few weeks. Landon and I are taking care of our new baby and we're pre-recording this so we don't know their name or if they're a boy or a girl, but we just want to say thank you for your prayers and support during this time and hope you enjoy the next few weeks of this series and I'll see you soon. Good morning. It's a privilege and a joy to be with you all again today. My name is Amy Sumrall, and I'm one of the pastors at St. Luke's. I'm so happy to be filling in for Colin as he spends some much-deserved paternity leave time with hopefully new baby very soon. Um, just a reminder, if you haven't already, please take this time now to check in to worship. Let us know that you are participating today. Um, you can do that using the QR codes on the floor if you're with us in person or on the screen behind me, or if you're worshiping with us in person, you can see that opportunity to check in as well. So please join us in letting us know that you're here today. So what does it mean to be spiritual? In a 2022 Gallup poll, one third of Americans identify as spiritual, not religious, but spiritual. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be a spiritual person? Well, from the Christian perspective, we believe that being spiritual is an essential part of how we daily live out our faith in Jesus. And so each week of this series, we're exploring a different aspect of how our spirituality gets manifested in our everyday lives. So in week one of the series, you may remember or not, if you've slept since then, that Colin was with us and he focused on Genesis 1 and talked about how to be spiritual means to be creative, a creative person because God creates and is creative. And then last week, our guest preacher, DeAndre, shared with us from Isaiah 61 about how another part of what it means to be spiritual is to care about and work for justice, because that is God's heart, is to restore and create justice in our world. So today, we're going to talk about how to be spiritual is to know who you are. So to do that, let's check out our passage for today. It comes from Romans chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it isn't an obligation to ourselves to live our lives on the basis of selfishness. If you live on the basis of selfishness, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the actions of the body, you will live. All who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear, but you received a spirit that shows you are adopted as God's children. With this spirit, we get to cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. But if we are children, we are also heirs. We are God's heirs and fellow heirs with Christ if we really suffer with him, so that we also may be glorified with him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Let's pray. God, open us up today so that we can hear your voice calling us the beloved and claim it for ourselves. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. To be spiritual is to know who you are. 
Have you ever noticed when you're meeting someone new for the first time, they ask a series of standard questions. What's the first question that people ask when they're meeting you? What's your name? Yes. What is your name? What's the second question they ask? How are you sometimes? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. What kind of job do you have? If you're working, they want to know that. If you're a high school student, they're probably saying what? Yeah, grades. What colleges are you applying to? Yeah. If you're a young to middle-aged adult, they'll probably ask, are you married? Do you have kids? And sometimes, depending on the day or the season of life we're in, we think nothing of answering these well-intended questions, and so we'll, the answers will just roll right off of our tongues, and we think nothing about it. But sometimes, these questions can trigger in us pain, shame, loneliness, longing, or just uncertainty. And so what happens is we can rattle off our name, but then when we try to answer those next questions, we're, we're tongue-tied or we're trying to suppress the emotions or the panicked thoughts that it's triggered. Maybe that happens because we're still waiting back to hear back from college applications that we've submitted, and we're worried about whether we're going to be accepted into the school we hoped we'd be or not. And if we're rejected, what does that say about us, and what are other people going to think of us? Or maybe these kinds of questions are sort of triggering because the job that we have is not the one we dreamed of. Or it is, but it's not really going the way we had hoped it would. Or maybe these kinds of questions are triggering because relationships in our lives are really complicated and we don't know how to say that succinctly to a stranger. And maybe we can't really label the relationships we have or they're non-existent at the moment and so it's painful when people bring it up. So what do we do with this? What if our identity, our core identity is not tied to where we go to school what we do for work or don't do, what roles or relationships we have in our lives, but instead, what if our identity is defined by being spiritual? That no matter what season of life we find ourselves in, our core unchanging identity is that we are spiritual. We are living literally, figuratively, and in every capacity by God's Spirit. In our passage today, Paul reminds us that part of our core identity as spiritual beings is that we are created and sustained by the Holy Spirit. Now, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, pneuma, and it also means breath, breath. So remember all the way back to the beginning of the scriptural story in Genesis chapter 2, the way the author describes how God forms a human being from the dust of the ground and breathes the breath of life into the human being, and that's what animates them. That's what makes them a living person. So God breathes the Holy Spirit into the human being, and that's what makes us come alive. So part of what it means to claim to be spiritual then is to take the physical breath in our lungs at this moment 
and to acknowledge that we are created, we are living, we are sustained and living right now by the Holy Spirit's breath in us. We are created and sustained by God. But even deeper than that, the Holy Spirit connects us to our core identity as beloved children of God. This happens when we're baptized. You may remember this. When Jesus was baptized and the heavens were torn apart and a dove came down and settled on Jesus and then there was the voice from heaven. And do you remember what the voice from heaven said? Say it out if you know it. Yeah, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So when we are baptized, God claims us. You are my son, you are my daughter, my beloved. That's what happens when we're baptized. God claims us as, our, as his children and shares with us that our core identity is as his beloved. Beloved. Sounds like kind of an old English word, right? But it means loved ones. Loved without condition or limit. Loved beyond reason or logic. Loved beyond report cards or job description. Loved beyond worthiness or unworthiness or perceived worthiness. Loved beyond popularity or margin. Loved beyond what you feel at any given moment. Loved beyond what others say about you. Loved beyond your ability to know it. Beyond your emotions. Beyond human expression. Beyond imagination. You are loved by God. I love the way Brennan Manning puts this in his amazing book called Abba's Child. He says, this is not a merely a lofty thought, an inspiring idea, or one name among many. Beloved child is the name by which God knows us and the way God relates to us. I just want to breathe a big sigh of relief when I hear that. My shoulders are relaxed because the pressure is off Distractions are not necessary anymore. Any voices of shame in my head have been silenced. Striving, trying to earn God's love now is irrelevant. We are God's beloved children. That's how God sees us and relates to us. The question is, do we see ourselves that way? I'll be honest, it's taken me a long time to accept beloved as my core identity, and I'm still working on this journey toward full acceptance of that. Even just this morning, when I first woke up, I was battling with not feeling beloved. One of the resources that's really helped me begin to receive more and more of God's voice telling me that I'm beloved, though, is a book called Life of the Beloved by Henry Nowen. And Henry wrote this book to a friend of his who wasn't a Christian, um, but was curious about whether spirituality could be a way to help him and his circle of friends as they wrestled with wondering, what is this life all about? 
So Henry writes this book, and it, it really is a letter to his friend. And this is what he says. It is certainly not easy to hear God's voice declaring, you are my beloved, in a world filled with voices that shout, you're no good, you're ugly, you're worthless, you're despicable, you're nobody, unless you can demonstrate the opposite. These negative voices are so loud and so persistent that it's easy to believe them. But being loved is the core truth of our existence. I'm putting this so directly and so simply because though the experience of being the beloved has never been completely absent from my life, I never claimed it as my core truth. I kept running around it in large or small circles, always looking for someone or something able to convince me of my belovedness. I kept refusing to hear the voice of God that speaks from the depth of my being. You are my beloved. That voice has always been there, but it seems I was much more eager to listen to other louder voices saying, prove that you're worth something, do something relevant, spectacular or powerful, and then you will earn the love that you so desire. Meanwhile, the soft, gentle voice of God that speaks into the silence and solitude of my heart remained unheard or at least unconvincing. Beneath all my seemingly strong self-confidence, there remained the question, if all those who shower me with so much attention could see me and know me in my innermost self, would they still love me? And yet, God does. So every time you listen with great attentiveness, to the voice that calls you the beloved, you will discover within yourself a desire to hear that voice longer and more deeply. It is like discovering a well in the desert. Once you've touched wet ground, you want to dig deeper. So not only does the Holy Spirit teach us that our core identity is as God's beloved children, the Holy Spirit also leads us in learning how to let that identity shape every aspect of our lives. As we discovered a few moments ago, the Greek word for spirit, pneuma, also means breath. And that's a helpful analogy for us to get at here, that a part of breath is the inhaling and the exhaling, right? It's internal and external, so our identity on the inside is revealed, it's expressed through the way we live our lives on the outside. So Henry says about this, from the moment we claim the truth of being the beloved, we are faced with the call to become who we are. Becoming the beloved means letting the truth of our belovedness become enfleshed in everything we think, say, or do. This is not a beautiful thought or a lofty idea. If it is, nothing really changes. What's required then is to become the beloved in the common places of my daily existence and bit by bit to close the gap 
that exists between what I know myself to be and the countless specific realities of everyday life. Becoming the beloved is pulling the truth revealed to me from above down into the ordinariness of what I am, in fact, thinking of, talking about, and doing from hour to hour. When our deepest truth is that we are the beloved and when our greatest joy and peace comes from fully claiming that truth, it follows that this has to become visible and tangible in the ways we eat and drink, talk and love, play and work. So the Holy Spirit leads us on this journey of learning to become the beloved in every aspect of our lives, including our relationship with God as child to parent, confident that God is attentively listening to us and eager to support us on this journey. And it also changes our relationship with ourselves. Through the Holy Spirit's leading, we have the freedom and the courage to take an honest look at our thoughts, our actions, our decisions, our relationships, and the time we spend every day and we discern in God's presence, are these reflective of, are they aligned with my core identity as a beloved child of God? And if not, where do I have some growing to do? Where can I grow? And when we identify those areas where we need to grow, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and leads us in that work, giving us the desire, the determination, the discipline, and the power to make the changes that we need to make. In our United Methodist Movement, we call this sanctification, which is just a fancy word that means God's daily work in our lives, leading us closer and closer to following Jesus with every aspect of who we are. Y'all, this is not easy. <laughs> I would love to give you the cotton candy sermon, and this isn't it. This is not easy to fully accept our core identity as God's beloved children. And it's even harder, I think, to learn how to let that belovedness find expression in every concrete aspect of our lives. So here are just a few simple ideas. Breathe. Breathe. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing in a day, become aware of the breath in your lungs, the life in your body. And remember that God's spirit is alive and working in you. Pray. Talk to God as Paul suggests in our passage today as Abba with this confidence that God is listening to you, but also take that time in prayer to listen with great attentiveness to God's voice. As you pray, listen for God to say to you, you are my beloved. And third, keep showing up here. Surround yourself with a community of people who can remind you 
of your core identity and who are also themselves exploring and challenging themselves to become the beloved in every aspect of their lives so that we can encourage each other along this journey. I am so grateful for the gift of being in community with each of you as we're learning and growing together to become the beloved people of God that we really are. Let's pray. God of love, thank you. Thank you for claiming us. Thank you for reminding us who we really are. Help us to let this sink in to the depths of our being and to find concrete ways to express it in every thought, action, and relationship. We love you. Amen.